Our reading is from 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 11 to 18. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Thanks, Holly. Um, please keep that passage of the Bible open and you should have a handout with an outline for the talk. And let me lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have given us your word, that we're not left guessing about who you are, we're not left guessing about uh, where this world is heading, but you have spoken clearly on these things. Thank you that the same spirit who caused Peter to write these words is present with us this morning to help us understand and take to heart these truths, and we pray that you would Enable us to be people who believe what you say and live our lives in the light of it. For Jesus' sake, amen. This uh, coming Friday, I've got the pleasure of conducting uh, the wedding for John and Vidya, who some of you will know. And for John and Vidya, it feels as though that day has been a very long time coming. It's certainly a day that shaped their lives for most of this last year and more. Uh, they've been waiting eagerly for Friday to come. It's been the date on the horizon. And especially for the last few weeks, almost everything they've done has been directed by that coming wedding day. But not just the wedding day. They've also been preparing for the beginning of their married life together. For John and Vidya, the, their future wedding day has shaped the way they've lived this last year. And that is always the case. If we know where we're headed, it will shape our lives now. Think about those students, including my daughter Moya, who are going into year 12 next year. The prospect of sitting year 12 exams at some point next year uh, is going to shape, at least their parents hope it's going to shape, um, how they spend their months leading up to that time. When we know where we're heading, when we know what lies in the future, it'll shape how we live now. Back in the first week of this series, I uh, quoted a bit from Peter Jensen's book, At the Heart of the Universe. He says, of this we may be sure, the possession of hope, the longing for a goal, is one of the most powerful stimulants to human action. 
Now, most of the people in our culture have no clear vision for the future, definitely no certainty about what the future holds. And as a result, there's a bit of a crisis of meaning and purpose. But not so the Christian. We know where we're heading. And our knowledge of God's purposes shapes the way of life that we adopt. Peter is writing his letter urging us to remember the teaching of the scriptures and the promises of God about the future, about our future. He's urging us not to be drawn away, not to be taken in by false teaching around us that scoffs at the idea of Jesus coming back and the world being brought to an end. He's urging us to remind ourselves and each other the truth of God's word, to believe it and live in the light of it. In particular, last week, we saw that Peter urges us to remember three things. Remember that the world is not eternal. Remember that God is not being slow in keeping his promise, but patient. And remember that the day of the Lord will come like a thief, unexpectedly. These are the things we need to remember. And I was thinking this week, how can we actively remember these things? Let me give you a few ideas. Why not put a post-it note on your clock that says God is not being slow? but patient. Or you could choose half a dozen random days in the coming year and just write in your diary or Google calendar, today, question mark, as a reminder that to have that real expectation, this could be the day Jesus returns. Why not read through the Apostles' Creed every morning, every evening? Wonderful things to be reminded of and especially reminders that he will come again. Why not memorize a verse of the Bible about Jesus' coming? Matthew 24, verse 44 would be a good one. Jesus said, So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect him. Memorize it. Learn it so that it's in your heart and in your bloodstream. And finally, talk about it with each other. I'm not sure I'm particularly good at this or we generally, but encourage each other by talking about the Lord's return. Talk about it as the real event. That it is. I mean, this is our hope. This is what we're longing for, isn't it? The return of the Lord Jesus. Seeing our Savior, our bodies being raised, a new creation, free from sin and suffering. If we talk about it with each other, then we'll create a culture in which Jesus' return is a constant reference point for us. Just some ideas. You might have others. Take them or leave them. But we need to do it somehow. We need to remember. And so I ask you, how are you going to do that? It's got to be one of the big takeaways from our studies in 2 Peter. How are you going to remember the coming of the Lord? See, if we never think about our future, then we're like the person who walks down the street with their heads looking down, fixed on the footpath. We need to lift our eyes and look up and look ahead to have the return of Jesus as the fixed point on our future horizon, the day when he returns and God's promises are fulfilled. Peter says in these verses that we're looking at this morning, as we look forward to God's promised future, we'll be motivated and empowered to live differently. So this morning we're going to think about how that works, three ways in which waiting for the future day of the Lord shapes our lives now. Three Ps, peace, purity, and proclamation. Firstly, the future day of the Lord should mean that we live lives of peace. Uh, Peter says, verse 14, 
So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. While we wait for Jesus to come, while we wait for the new heavens and the new earth, we are to strive to make every effort to be found at peace with him. We are to give attention to our relationship with Jesus. Now, when you think about it, that makes sense, doesn't it? If we're looking forward to the day when Jesus returns, if that's our hope, seeing the Lord Jesus, of him coming to claim us as his people, to take us to live with him forever, if that's our hope, our longing for that intimate relationship with Jesus, then we'll give attention to our relationship with him in the here and now. We don't know Jesus bodily now, but he is with us by his Spirit. And we'll want to make sure that we're right with him. We'll deal quickly with things that disrupt that relationship, that spoil the peace that we have. When we sin, when we fail him, when we let him down, we'll want to keep short accounts and come quickly to confess and seek his forgiveness. Now, of course, we can only be at peace with Jesus through his death on the cross. And so we'll often be at the cross will often be pleading his blood to cover our sins and set us at peace with him. Think again about John and Vidya. Over the last weeks and months, they've been looking forward to Friday, their wedding day, when they'll promise to have and hold each other for the rest of their earthly lives. Now, as they've looked forward to that day, it would have been very strange if they'd been careless in their relationship. Very strange if they'd said, well, in a few weeks we'll be married, then we'll be committed to each other, so we don't need to really bother about our relationship now. No, that the prospect of their wedding day has meant they've wanted to give more attention to their relationship. They've been more keen to deal with conflicts quickly, more keen to make sure they're living at peace with one another. That makes sense, doesn't it? And so for us, as we look forward to the day when Christ returns to claim us as his own, we're to strive to make every effort to be found at peace with him. So firstly, peace. Secondly, purity. Look again at verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. We're to strive, make every effort, not only to be found at peace, but to be found pure, without spot or blemish. And, and this is the main thing that Peter emphasizes in these verses about our lives as we wait. They're to be lives of purity. And there are two motivations that he gives us. The first is because the things of this world are going to burn. Peter describes the day of the Lord in verses 10 to 12. And as he does so, his emphasis is on the destruction of the earth and the things that are done in it. What he's saying is, don't live worldly lives. Don't live for the things of this world because they're going to burn. Now, I don't think Peter's saying that the world is going to be completely annihilated. The rest of the Bible leads me to think there will be some continuity between this world and the new creation. But it's clear there's going to be a radical change. God's fire will bring a thorough purging and purifying. The things of this world will be burned up and God will have a fresh, clean, new heavens and new earth. 
So don't give yourselves over to the pleasures of this world. Don't devote yourselves to accumulating money or accumulating possessions, to seeking worldly success or reputation. We've only got one life and it will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. A life lived for the things of this world is a wasted life. Those things will not last. They won't survive the judgment. But a life lived for Christ is a life that counts for eternity. So live a life of purity, not a life of worldliness, because the things of this world are going to burn. But also live a life of purity because our home in the new heavens and new earth is a place of righteousness. And so we need to get ready for it. Verse 13, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And so Peter says, live a life of righteousness now. Live a life of purity, of holiness and godliness Not to earn a place in heaven, but because you already have a place. Because the new heavens and the new earth are your true home. It's a place of righteousness. That's your home. That's where you belong. That's where you're headed. So live out that identity now. When Christy was preparing to move to Southeast Asia, she spent a lot of time getting ready to live in her new home learning about the country and the culture and the people and the language. Even before she moved there, she was adjusting the way she lived in preparation for living in that new home. It would have been very strange, wouldn't it, if she hadn't spent any time preparing, adjusting, getting ready for life in that new country. And so it's very strange if we don't spend time thinking about our new home, reading about it, looking forward to it and getting ready for it, adjusting our lives now in preparation. So what should characterize our lives as we wait for the day of the Lord? Peace, purity, thirdly proclamation, proclaiming the gospel, promoting the gospel. We proclaim the gospel because we know that each day that God delays Jesus' return is a day of opportunity. Another day for people around us to turn, to repent and be saved. Look at verse 15. Peter says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Now, he doesn't say explicitly that we should be engaged in promoting the gospel. But I think it's a strong implicit application. God's whole purpose in delaying his judgment is to give people the opportunity to repent. That's the whole reason he's delaying that day. The whole reason he's being patient so that more people will be saved. Peter says, bear in mind that the patience of the Lord means salvation. In other words, think about God's patience as salvation. Salvation for you, yes, but also salvation for the people around us, the people of this city, people of this world. How strange it would be if we, God's people, had no concern for the salvation of the lost. It's God's whole purpose for this coming week if he delays another week. It's God's whole purpose for next year. 
Friends, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and he's delaying his return to continue seeking and saving the lost. Salvation is God's purpose for this final period of history, and we need to make it the purpose of our lives as well. We know that people will only be saved as they hear and respond to the good news. So we need to do everything we can to proclaim to promote, to make that good news known. Christmas is still a wonderful opportunity for us to promote, to proclaim the gospel. Will you pray for the Christmas services coming up? Will you consider who you could invite to come? So peace and purity and proclamation. As we look ahead to the coming year, I'm sure, like me, you're making plans, setting direction. We need to make sure the day of the Lord is the fixed event on our horizon, the thing that shapes and directs our choices and decisions. That's where our lives are headed. That's where this world is headed. We need to remind ourselves. We need to remind each other of God's promises for the future. How are you going to do that? And as we set our hope on that day, as we set our our heart on that day, we'll find God's power moving us and motivating us to strive, to make every effort to live lives of peace and purity and proclamation. Let's pray together. And I'll give you a minute in quiet to reflect and pray in your own hearts and then I'll lead us. Father, we thank you for your promises for the future. And we pray that you'd help us to really believe it and to have lives that are shaped by that future reality. Show us how we can actively remember and remind each other of the return of the Lord. And show us what it means for each of us to make efforts and strive to live lives of peace and purity and proclamation. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.